This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Yeah? Okay. All right, so, like always, but this time it was Mamish written on the wall to switch. So I was going back and forth. What to learn with you guys? Should we do um, the safer about the mechanics, about who we are? Or should we do Dan Lakaschus in terms of seeing everything positive? And then I started thinking. Neither. No, I had a chesh to do other things, but I know myself. I'm going to start with ADD. You can't give yourself too many choices because then you'll you'll just go crazy. So I don't do that. I try not to do that to myself because um, it's also not such a far trip for me to go crazy. So um, <clears throat> I was thinking that uh, more and more about it, and I realized that. I think for a woman's share, for a girl's share, which although guys watch the share, I know, um, uh, it really should be something for for you. And the the safer that I said that I really wanted to do, I think would have been more for me to do it. And um, and although extremely important, like at the end of the day, you want people need chizik and you need guidance and and chizik. So. Not you guys, like you need it, but the people need guidance and chizik. So I was leading towards down the kasselis, even though it's a, it's a little more, you know, not more as many chedushim and things that you don't know. It, it's it's just talking it out together, the, the Indian. And then I was listening to a shir randomly from my rabbi that I, I, he gives a share on every Sunday, and I missed the last two. I had to be somewhere both days. <clears throat> Listen to the share, and he's going through, he's, he's learning the Indian of Yosef Atzadik, which is Kedusha Sabris, um, for men, and uh, how to understand it, and how to give it over, and healthy, and with the children, and boys today, and so on. And, um, um, and he said, so he's been like, doing a lot of background stuff of like what's going on what not just practical what to do with the kids and, and I've had people email me you know can we get Rebbe to kind of get to the practical because there's a lot of fathers there with teenage boys and they want to know and they and and we've been doing it I, I think he's up to number 22 in Shiram and he hasn't gotten to the practical so last last week on the tape which was really two weeks ago, but I was catching up. He said, I know people are waiting. Must, people must have gone up to him because I, I didn't because I told this person that obviously Rebbe knows what he's doing and he feels like we have to spend time on this. Internet. And the, the truth is, especially when you're talking about something in public where I can't necessarily answer every single person's specific way of how to make this practical to your life and, and plug this idea in, if you have the bottom yesodos, then you will have the information and the tools to know how to put it into your life, as opposed to just the sprinklings on top, a lot of times that doesn't translate into my life, and I don't know what, how to apply it. So, so then, so Rabbi Weimar started saying, I know, you did, but this is really important to do this stuff. But I know you want practice, so I'm really going to try to rush through. So now I'm like, okay, so he's going through the same dilemma there. I feel like the first safer really is something that will help us all learn things. So I don't know what to do. Okay, so now at the same time, this Shabbos, I was asked to speak for um, a very special uh, women's share that happens every week. Um, it's I think they, they're in their 17th year. Every single Shabbos, these women get together, about 60 women um, to learn every single Shabbos, winter, summer, and the other two. And um, in uh, <coughs> Woodmere Cedarhurst, the... It, it goes down from different house to house. The woman who runs it is a tzaddikah named Marsha Behar. Um, and she does it for her son, who was a friend of mine, um, my friend, Oliver Shalom Rami Behar, um, who when uh, he was two grades younger than me, so when I was like, you know, starting in Shayashiv, which was like my first year out of high school, um, so Rami, or second year, I don't remember, but Rami was, uh, was killed in a, in a car accident. So um, um, she's been doing this ever since. I mean, I don't know if they'd start the first year. <coughs> but pretty much every, ever since. So um, it's a big success for me to, to do it. And she asks me um, once, some, once a year, pretty much. And, um, okay, so I was starting to think, so what am I going to learn with them? So the, there was a, 
and I'm telling you this because Ashkacha involved and how it all came back is just incredible. How it played out till till three thirty today. So she asked me to. I said, "Okay." So what am I going to learn with them? So I've I've done quite a few shirim there, and here we talk. I, I told my wife like I love coming here because. I prepare an idea, whatever, but I don't work out all the details. I don't have to stand up and start with a joke, and you know, like when I'm when I when I'm speaking, speaking with a stender and whatever, I'm much more, I guess, polished. Or I try to have a seder and everything, and it's not just me. But there's a certain, I don't know, warmth or familiarity, or or I just I just enjoy this schmoozing, you know, just. I do enjoy your time together. Okay, <laughs> that's what I'm saying, and and I, but I enjoy the the process of it, and that it, we're how these things come and so on. And um, I don't remember why I was telling you that, but oh, uh, uh, so so I was thinking about what to say. Oh, so there, so I have like, you know, my classes, and for something like that, I have to write it up and type it up and work on it and. Make and make sure I end with a story, and make sure I start with a joke, and make sure I thank the host, and it's got to all be very masudder. I don't like getting up speaking in front of like a public audience if I'm not with papers and so on. So, um, so I'm thinking about okay, what have I given over to them over the last few years? Thinking like people actually going to remember, even though I'm sure I could do the same thing I did last year. Um, at some point, some of the jokes will be like, oh, okay, no, he said this already. But other than that, if I would use new jokes or skip those jokes, I'm pretty sure I could give it over. Not because of them, just this is the way of the world. I've had people come and they're like, oh, I heard you somewhere, it was so good. I said, oh, what I, what do you remember? I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. You're talking about something, with, oh, something to do with Hashem, I think. Maybe so. Um, so, uh, Anyway, so I was thinking about what to do with them. So I said, okay, I have to, I have to write a new shear. So there was a, I had a, I had a thought, and there was a piece in the Zohar that, um, that I wanted to base it off of, and I had like this, gr- I, I think, a really solid understanding of what the Zohar, of one way of understanding the Zohar, which, not to, the Zohar is, a lot of it's medrash. It reads like, like the medrash on the Parsha. So I had an, an idea to connect it, and it really wasn't, um, I felt forcing it like it wasn't for women. It, it had to do a lot with ego. And that's not a, that's not a women's Indian necessarily. So the ego and happiness, and, and I was going to tie it in. So, okay, I went to start, I went to the shul to, to look it up, to make some photocopies. I don't have a, a machine at home, so I use uh, the rubs. And I started going through it and writing it out. And this was... What night is it? It's Wednesday night. This was Monday night. Monday night? Yeah, Monday night. So I'm writing it out. And then I saw something. Something caught my eye. A medrash, which I'm going to share with you in a second. And a share that my Rebbe, Roshimul Brazil, gave 17, 16, 17 years ago. 15 or... Uh, no, what am I talking about? More. 19 years ago, at least. And it, that it really, really impacted me. And then I realized that it had a lot more to do with women. And specifically mothers, and specifically those that aren't mothers, but I'll explain what that means in a, in a second. Um, not in a second, a few minutes. And like it all came together, and I quickly started, this is, this is it. This is the Zohar that I photocopied, and, and this is the share that, that I pretty much just jotted out. So I'm learning there, <clears throat> and I'm thinking about how to connect it to Sari Menu, how to bring it back to the Parsha. And, and I remember that Eshet Chayel was written... This week's parsha, parsha Chayisara, lispoid sarv lefkaisa, the the hesped that Avram Avinu gave. So many mafarshim say it was Eishes Chayil. He wrote Eishes Chayil for his wife. So fine. So I had a thought that something hit me. I told my daughters when I left. I said, you know, I'm giving a, a shir, and it's really going to be a lot of, based on this pasuk in Eishes Chayil. I said, do you think I should sing it on Torah time? So my do- my younger one goes. And my life will be over. <laughs> Hello. I'm like, you're fr-. she's in ninth grade. And I'm like, your friends aren't even listening to my share. What are you talking about? You're realizing over. She's like, one day they might, and word will get out, and hello, you better not. So I'm not going to sing it, mostly just because my voice went out right before we got here, and and really I don't know how to sing. <clears throat> you want to embarrass your daughter? 
So, um, so there's a pasuk. So, there's a, there's a very special person who learns in our shul. I've mentioned him before, and um, he's, he's he's a talmud chacham. And I I had an idea on the pasuk, which I'm going to share with you soon. And I thought, I just is there, there's no real proof that that I'm right that this is what the word means that this is what the pasuk's talking about. So I asked him. I said, "You ever see this in that context to 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 relate to that?" He says no, and he was like, "Yeah, I think you're pushing it a little." I said, "Okay." I I, I felt like it was there. <clears throat> okay, so last night, this is the amazing part. Now, last night, everybody following? Okay. Last night, so. I'm look. I'm reading Five Town Schulz emails. Uh, you know the thing. Looking, you know, I'm looking for anything free. So. Um, so I saw I saw a posting, and it happened to be. Um, a job in the same tight line of work that I'm in to do with real estate. There was a job posting. Not really looking at right now, and I'm happy where I am. But was I looked it like, at it. It's like commissioning to find real estate. Yeah. Like okay. So that so that the posting wasn't by my friend, but the person who owns that company is a good friend of mine. Okay. Um, so I said, you know, I'm curious what it is. Maybe something on the off time I could do. Maybe I know somebody. I, I had just met somebody who was looking for a type of job. Maybe I'll put him into it. And it's a good excuse. I haven't spoken to my friend in a while. I'll, uh, I'll call my friend. So I call him. I said, is that posting? Um, and then I realize as I'm talking to my friend that there's some business that we can do in my line of work now that I should go meet with him. So I said, I said, you know what? So the first Ashkacha, I see the, the thing. Second Ashkacha, I said, I normally um, I wouldn't call right away. I would leave it for work time. I was in the supermarket. I said, oh, I'll call him. I call him up. <clears throat> Let's fine. Let's let's talk tomorrow. It's okay. So I text him in the morning. When should we meet? He goes, "Come by my office at noon." At noon, I go by his office. We sit and we're schmoozing for like two hours, and he tells me, "You know what? I think this guy, another friend of ours, also could help you. I think that that'll work out. You should you should reach out." And I said, "Yeah, I didn't realize that. Yeah, his father owns whatever." I said, "Okay." I text the other guy. I said, um, "You know, I was just with Mati." He said. Uh, that you might be able to, we may be able to do something together. Um, let me know when's a good time. I'd love to send a schmooze with you for a little bit. He says, all right. Uh, he said, call me. I call him up. He says, why don't you, um, why don't you come by? He, I hear him talking to somebody in the background. The one's mincha. I hear the word mincha. I said, you know what? Because I was with Mati, I missed my own mincha in my office. We have 1.30 mincha. It was 2.30. <clears throat> he, said, he said, no, we don't have a mincha in my office. Around the corner of Judaica, 3 o'clock, there's a mincha. That's where I daven. I said, okay, I don't think I'm going to make mincha otherwise, although I don't like davening in the store, but it's, you're surrounded by sarm, it's, I guess, nice. So I said, okay, I'll meet you there, and then we'll meet at 3.30. He says, okay, not exactly, I have something in between, but I'll tell you about it, fine. So I go for mincha, 3 o'clock, and I walk down an aisle. I figured, I figured uh, if till they start, I'll open some sarm, so let me go to an aisle that, uh, that looks interesting. So I went to an aisle, but I, I couldn't get to the... Chasidus aisle, which is where I wanted to go. And I got stuck, stuck, by Tanakh. So I'm sitting by in the Tanakh aisle, and I'm waiting for, and I'm thinking, oh, you know what? I, I had looked around on this Pasuk, but there's only somebody's farm in the Eish Kodesh library. I see a safer Tus farm that I haven't seen on Mishle. Just on Mishle, eye level to me, which is pretty low. And I look over, and this is Tus farm. I open the first one, not much said on it, from the Gra. I open the second one. I never, never heard of this before. I went to the person who, uh, two of the guys that run this farm there, I said, who is this? Because it didn't really say in there, it was hard to find. Only in a scumma letter you could see the guy's name. Josh, Josh Shlomo, I think it's called. Um, he says, I don't know. And we're looking, some guy in the mirror, some guy, he's a Tom Chacham. he wrote another sefer on Halachas and Mesechas Nazir. <clears throat> There's no way I ever would have bought the sefer, ever would have opened the sefer, ever would have known about the sefer, if not for this mincha. So I'm standing there by the mincha, which I only knew because my friend told me. And I know about him because my other friend told me because I saw him. So I'm standing there by the mincha. I open it up. Um, it, ca- it caught my eye. They started ashray, so I didn't want to look during davening. As soon as davening ended, I opened the safer. And this is exactly what I needed to, to see. Exactly like, exactly. I'm like, this is just amazing. So for sure, this is what I should speak about. And, and it was... Like so, not random, so not random, 
that Hashem worked it out like that, that I should be there, and that I heard some guy saying Mincha in the background, just as he was talking to me, and I thought it was Mincha. So, with all that, that was my big excuse for not, start, <laughs> not starting the Sefer this week. Okay, so, <clears throat> I think this is extremely, extremely important, and, and I think... No, I think it's an obvious part two from last week, which um, which some people uh, emailed me and contacted me after last week. Actually, a few people texted me and said, just was listening to your share, very well, you know, because I named it the most important share I've ever gave. And I was like, <laughs> you got to really be sure before you do that. Yeah. And, and people were like, it, it was very helpful to people. Baruch Hashem. So, um, so this week, so the question is, so last week we were talking about challenges and difficulties and, and how, to, how to deal with that pain and, and how to understand it and how to step up to the plate, so to speak. Sorry, Imenu. It was called Sorry, Imenu for, for a reason. Let, let's, let, let me back it up. There's a Medrash. Let's start with the Medrash. Medrash says, on this week's Parsha, one of the first... Uh, one of the first Majashim in Medrash Rabbah in the Sixth Parsha, and this is what my Rebbe said over. Following is, is not my idea, it's my Rebbe's. The Diyukim in it are a little bit minor, I don't know. Rabbi Kiva Yoshev Darsh. Rabbi Kiva was sitting and expounding. This is a very famous thing. Um, if you're not sure what expounding means, it means Doresh. Okay. Everybody who was attending the audience was started to fall asleep. Okay, this is not a new thing that we made up nowadays. This has been going on since Rabbi Kiva. And you've got to imagine Rabbi Kiva was probably a really good speaker. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, you heard about that? You know how everybody gets fascinated when there's like a big speaker and he used to be off the derech? And like, that it. guy used to go to Harvard? He's got a beard and pays? And they're like, He's yeah, true. he was a rock star before he became Yosef, uh, uh, what's uh, Yosef, um, what's his name? Sheila Malot. Sheila Malot. Uh, that probably didn't help anybody. Wrong <laughs> really? I don't know Jewish singers. He's a process of Yosef Carduner. Mm-hmm. He's, he's actually very special. Uh, very special. Yosef Carduner, you never heard of him? I heard that song. <laughs> okay, that's Yosef Carduner. Okay. Anyways, everyone says he used to be a rock star. I don't, I'm not even sure that's MS at all. But, uh, but everybody loves that. So you got to imagine people come in. <laughs> That he used to bite. I heard he used to bite Tommy the Ramen. No, no, really bite them. Like he's speaking. So every he said about himself when he saw Tommy the Ramen, he wanted to bite them. I don't know if it says it. Did he want to bite them for pain reasons or to like understand? Like, uh, like like most agata or all agata, there's something very deep going on. Tom Rahum bite. What was he referring to? What's the? Okay, so Bikesh Oran. So Rabbi Kiva wanted to wake them up. So instead of my seventh grade Rebbe's uh, approach was to go like that, which really served to wake himself up. I've watched many times where he himself was talking and just putting himself to sleep and would go like this, and then everybody would, one, two, three, get up together. So Rabbi Kiva had a different approach. Amar, he said, What's chus? Why was Esther seen fit to rule over 127 provinces? What's chus did she have? Ella Tavo Esther Shosara. However, the answer is like this. Let Esther, who is a descendant of Sarah, the Basbita, the granddaughter of Sarah Imenu, Shachisa Kaf Vikhuf Vizayin, who lived 127, and she should rule over 127 promises. That was it. That's all he said. But quick question. Well, isn't everybody, every Jewish woman a great okay. Right. So they're directly I don't know. So no, we're all directly from right. from Sarah. Was it a Gilgal? Um, there is, I did see, actually in the Zohar, something about that everything that happened, it was either Medrash or the Zohar, um, that everything that happened to Sarah happened to Esther. Taken by a Gaish king, the most beautiful in the land, hidden away, um, a few other things. Um, uh, I don't remember the rest. I, I didn't. I didn't learn the whole piece, but I saw it. But there is something. 
and I was looking, it's funny, because I was looking, does it say she's a Gilgal? I think it was a Zohar then, because I was looking, does it say she was a Gilgal? Um, I didn't see that. It doesn't mean that other Zohar don't say, and it, I guess it could make sense, whatever, however, Gilgal makes sense. So, the Basbita of Sarah, in other words, there's a very deep and, and strong connection between Sarah and Esther. They were both heroines of, of the Jewish people, um, they both were leaders of the Jewish people, we one could say. So first of all, what does it mean they were falling asleep? How did this wake them up? So like Pashup Shad is, he's told them some Agadatah. Like if he was saying, Halacha Shir, people fall asleep. You tell them something interesting, oh, that's cool, there's a Gematri there, and there's something, and then everybody gets interested. But that's Pashup. We're not talking Pashup here. So Chadush Rim says, this is what my Rabbi said over many years ago, that if you think about it, the message Rabbi Kiva was, if you took each country, I think I may have even said this over here once, each country, 127 countries, 127 years. So each country was a year. That means that if you take each month, was a city, country, or state, you want to use the United States, each month was like a state. Each week would be like a city. Each uh, day would be... Uh, a borough, or I don't know, a, a, let's call it a borough. Each um, each hour would be uh, a neighborhood. Each minute would be a square block. Each second would be a house. So that means every second that Sarah lived, and that's a, and it says that's why it repeats um, it, it repeats Chaye Sarah, where the life of Sarah, because they, the the other places say it, they were Tamimim. They were 100% filled with life. Every moment had, an, had a, a vitality to it, a life to it. She was like Gerem, right? Sarah? They, they were Gerem, yeah. The Chazal the, the referred to them as Gerem. When they did Avram convert Sarah, do we know how she became? Well, according to the Syrian Christian guy that called her a really bad word, uh, Avram converted her. Um, but <laughs> I don't get a lot of my information from that crazy Syrian guy. Right. Um, I never knew the um, well, she came from. They were the same family. They were right. They were the same family. They were. I'm saying I know he found God by himself. I'm wondering if she also did it in her own way. I don't know. So it's interesting because Avram lived 175 years, and Sarah lived 100 and 175, and Sarah lived 127. What's the difference between the two? Oh, no. Come on, math. 48, right? 48 years. <laughs> there are 48, uh, 48 years that are a difference. Um, one of the Midrashim says that Avram was 48 when he, when, he, uh, when he noticed that there was Hashem. Some say three. There's a Midrashim that says that it was 48. While I was looking around, I definitely saw... Um, I didn't write these down because I wasn't putting into a share, but I definitely saw that correlation that... that the 48 years and 48 ways to be to acquire wisdom that the, the Mishra said he, he makes a whole connection like that what I didn't see but what I think it could mean um, many years ago I was in the yeshiva uh, in Florida by uh, a very big time Chacham Rabbi Zweig was Rosh Hashiva he still is Rosh Hashiva Yochanan Zweig so he said over we had a Sheva Brachos and he said over he said a great question which really, and I've seen this in my life, me, my, mine and my wife's, he said, okay, so Abraham Yom Kodid Sirius, a lot 40 days before the Vlad is formed, Baskal Yotzis, the Gemara says this, Baskal Yotzis, Valmeris, the Baskal comes out and says, Bas Plony Plony, Sada Plony Plony, Bias Plony Plony, right? That the daughter of Plony should go to this Plony. That they're a match. So he said, law of averages is that right now we have 25% of the, of the Jewish population that are from, 75% that aren't. So, so, like factoring in free will and everything, how does that work out? That Hashem says, this guy's going to marry that guy. When they come down to the world, she has free choice and she could, like, how does everyone marry only the from? And Now, you have your free choice, so you're only looking for from people. But you're, we're supposed to believe that there was, a, there was a bashert there. So, how does that work out? There should be a lot more mixed marriages, quote-unquote. So he said, "They're saying people, let's say kids by Bechira, I could decide right now that I want to like convert to like Protestantism." Right, you, not Protestant. You could, you could. What's my evil guy gonna do now? He's not even he, you could be raised in a secular home, right. and you'll never know. Like this girl that I met last week, El Kabasha, 
I sent her the name. I was, I'm like, I said, I said, I figured out your name. I, I, I uh, sent her a message. I said, I figured out your name. I said, by, by me, meaning I spoke about you. And yeah. some women in my share figured out your name. Um, so, yeah, this girl, she, she had one Jewish person that she knew. So, like, where's she going to... Find her match? Or, or what if somebody was matched with her? Like, how does that... Like, how does, so, how does the... Okay, we're asking, how does the predetermination of your match work with the fact that people have free will? And not just, just not that, that free will, but that 25% of us are from and 75% aren't. So, it's, if it's 50-50... Huh? What do you mean? Same question, God knows what's going to happen. Right, really okay, so I... So I 25%... But, but when you have, when you have the Gemara... When you have that Gemara that says it like that, you have to... Yes, that's a, it really is a separate question. You can fit it under that question, but it's a separate question. But his answer makes maybe the question a little clearer. He said, when, what happens is, because you are already, the way the Zohar explains the, that neshama process is that it's one neshama ripped into two. And the Lushan is like Nas and the Sira, they were like sawed in half. Like a, it, it, the mashmos, the implication is that it's like a violent tearing apart, which is why there's such a passionate drive to get back together by people because it, it, it wasn't it wasn't like okay it's time to say goodbye okay one more hug no 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 okay Kindalach you're going to be male and you're going to be female you need to separate it was one fused existence that, that was like violently torn apart and it's got to find its way back together because it, that trauma was too much so um, so he said that it, that what happens is because they're so deeply connected that when one is doing something on their side they were Messiah, they had a Messiah, they worked on themselves it gives koach to the other one mm, and then when sometimes you feel like all of a sudden a drive to push forward it may have been that your chassan somewhere just had a, a geshmaka tosis that he learned and feels really great about himself so I, now, now time doesn't play into neshamas but it happens to be that that after I, I mean, I learned this before I met my wife, but then I, I was thinking about it after we met, and we played out our lives of, she's uh, uh, two grades behind me, but a year and a half behind me, and when I was changing, and she was changing, and like we, it's, it's like, it's pretty similar, right? So I was here, whatever, but we were moving along the same line. Um, so why did I go off on that? What, what did you ask about? And we're all over the place Sarah tonight. Was, if Avram converted Sarah. Right. Yes. So, when Avram started is when Sarah was born. Right. So, it could very well be that, that it was her koach. Because she came, because 127 years, 127 years were full. She was 48 years younger than he was? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do they call it? A winter's, uh, something like that, marriage? Uh, why am I much more worldly savvy than you guys, but not enough to actually know the words? Like I always. What are you trying to say? I don't know. There's, married with the guys older. There's something they they call it something in, the, in the world. No. <laughs> okay, that's not it at all. Um, wait. So hers by being born, she kind of gave him the co-op to do what he did. That's kind of the idea. I, I'm. I. That's that's my take on it. I don't know that. Uh, Right. I don't want to open a floodgate of like a whole other discussion. We could bring up a different time. I'm just curious how Bashir's work with uh, divorce and stuff like that. What do you mean? And death. I mean, like you're the saying, your souls were torn apart and you're really meant for each other. And then the seconds of it, there's, the, the, there's. Oh, there are second Bashir. Yeah. In fact, the most of those Gemaras that everybody that everybody so casually quotes uh, at Sheva Brachos, the Maskana of the Gemara. I don't remember which ones or whatever, but that's kind of the Gemara. Is that's by Zivik Shani. <laughs> Awkward. So yeah. Um, Wait, which one? But 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 the the Arishon whatever the, uh, that learned the Gemara is up and say that it that it really is by Zivik Shrishon and there's a different way to and this is what the Gemara meant. It's it's not so clear. We could um, if you remind me earlier in the week, then I could we could um, set aside a, a, a class, I guess, just to figure that stuff out. But. Um, it's free choice. There's, there's, there's sicknesses in the world, mental sicknesses. Nowadays, nowadays, divorce isn't, isn't really so much of a kasha because 
First of all, A, you, you could have made the wrong decision in your marriage and who you're marrying. And B, you could have made the right decision there or there was Ashkacha that you two have to be together and you made the wrong decision in breaking it off. Ultimately, looking back, it's all the right decision. That's the Ashkacha that it should have been like that as well. And there should have been a learning experience and whatever it is. Uh, I, I know uh, a girl. Um, I worked with her at a certain place. She was 20... I think she was 27 and had, I, I, I'm, I'm sure it was two, but maybe even a third broken marriage. Wow. 27 years old. I'm sure it was two. She didn't realize she was dating the guy, and it turns out he was autistic, and, and he wasn't able to express, and the, whatever. Second guy, also some crazy story, and she mean? is, huh? I don't mean to judge. I just don't know how you wouldn't realize when you're dating So no. very high... There, there could be very high functioning that are taught skills. They don't, they don't naturally have certain social skills. They were therapies and whatever. They're taught how to do it. But then, you know, when you get alone, there's only so much that those classes are going to help a person. I guess in intimacy, I don't, I don't remember the details. I can't remember if there was two or three marriages. But she, she. It's funny because I just went back on the Facebook in order to to keep in touch with this girl and get her on birthright, which Mirza Shem, she, and she'd bring another Jewish girl, they're going on birthright. Yeah. Now I'm not she sure when I can go off, because, okay. like, I don't know, I have to now just get off after I make sure she's on. But um, but this girl just posted, this is the girl I was just telling you about, um, who, who worked with me in a care of setting, so uh, she just posted about something that she's so proud about her husband, I don't know, I just saw it for a second. But... She's Baruch Hashem, very happily married, and her lessons that she learned, very, very deeply painful lessons, um, are, are helping her now to, to affect. So in other words, that wasn't a marriage you could consider all, it was all practice and, and whatever in order for her to get to the place that she needed to be to, to um, be the type of wife that she needs to be for her actual bashert. Okay, so let's focus here. So... Really, really quickly, because some of these things we've spoken about here, for sure. Sleeping, becoming awake, awakening with this idea of, of filling every moment, like Lucia says, what's going on, how, what are we supposed to learn, specifically women, specifically, more specifically mothers, but everyone who are either, Emir Hashem, will be a mother um, one day to healthy, beautiful children. Um, and Chas Shalom, if there are those that are, that are listening or or. Even if they're not listening, are those that, what about those that, that will never be parents, mothers or fathers? Um, where do they play into this lesson that, that we learn from, from this Medrash specifically, but what the Medrash is trying to teach us about Sarah's life? Thank you, Moshe, with Aaron's kid. Huh? Oh, very good. So I, that's actually uh, in Bamidbar. Um, and uh, I quickly looked it up so that I could quote the Chazal properly. That's that, that's the the lesson. Um, why don't you come and give this? Right. So um, <laughs> that that whoever teaches somebody Torah, and we know that we're all supposed to be teachers. There's a certain. Uh, let, let me get up there. Let's do it really quickly. Um, sleeping. Sleeping is one sixtieth of death. The Gemara says. We talked about this before about the famous uh, Rav Tzaddik piece that when it rains we feel like sleeping. Right? We spoke about this before. Why do you feel like sleeping? Because sleeping is the absolute closest one gets to death. What's death? Death is no longer growing. No forward movement. No um, n- no vitality. Vitality is forward movement. In fact. The other Ashkach is that I was by. So, what did he, what did he do between Mincha and and meeting me? He wanted me to hear. This guy's great. He's such a special guy. So he has a company. He's he owns the company. Um, I'll even say what the company is. I told him I'll give him a, a free plug um, for all the real estate people listening. Chase Abstract. Chase Abstract. He hired a guy to help him crystallize this. Uh, a really cool idea. This guy is going around teaching companies how to keep their employees happy, but like real happiness. 
increase productivity and so on. And of course, it's always about the dollar. But he really is doing it mitzah to bring more happiness to the world and using chasidus and telling people that that it's not. So um, so he's working with this guy. So my friend Avi, who owns Chase Abstract, gave it like a share to his employees. He called them in. He said, "Before Thanksgiving, I want to let you go." But there's our one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight core values of Chase Abstract: faith, meaning, greatness, purpose, altogether, passion, growth, improvement, progress, unity, and peace, happiness, and positive attitude, competence, and structure and efficiency. And he went through with them. I thought it was amazing. Oh yeah, I thought it was amazing that he and I told him that he. God is present in our personal and professional lives. Everything that happens is one guy screamed out, so atheists can't work here? Yeah, I was Okay. When it when it comes from a real emesical place, which Avi is, and he's and he he's passionate about it, I think even those people who don't believe in these things don't they don't get offended by it because because that's his thing. Well the truth is right. they, they say God, but what they really for people who don't believe in it, it can mean the universe, that feeling you have about So they give you that out, but in the big book Oh, yeah, now, I now I could uh, now I could quote in the big book. There's an entire chapter, um, something atheists uh, against atheists, something like that. Yeah, the original group was really religious, but nowadays they make it very right. So they flowered it, but it, the original book, the big book, um, Bill says that, and he shows, he says like a lush and like, you have a choice. You could choose to pretty much die, or 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 stop being a baby and realize that there's a god. Like something like that. Right. Huh? They'll say now there's... Yeah. Right. So this is what he says. He says, passion. We're ex- these are his core values to the company. We are excited about life and excited about what we do. That excitement should be evident to all the people we come in contact with. When we have a passion for life, it is unmistakable and people are attracted to it. The next piece, growth and progress. If we are not growing, we are dead. We have clearly defined goals and clear steps to achieve those goals. We don't want to live in a world of happenstance. God controls the world. He's pretty heavy-handed with God. But expects us to use our free choice to make the correct decisions. If we're not growing, we're dead. I, I don't know where he pulled this stuff from. I should have asked him. Um, but if we're not growing, we're dead. That's, that's a very understandable thing in life. That, you know, that's how you look at plants. Adam eats asada, Pasuk says in the Torah, that a person is like the tree of the field. We're very much compared to plants. If it stops growing, it's dead. That's how you know if the plant is, is dead. Otherwise, it keeps on growing. The definition of life, and I think we said this in one of the last few weeks here, about the, um, I said this somewhere, uh, the Rambam says, the Mepharchesos, the, the flailing limb of the Eber Menachai. We, def- we never oh, talked about it here? Yes. Yeah? Okay. Right? right, exactly. So we define that as life. We define the vitality and the newness of every second being mechadish. There's a chiddush in every second. If you think about all the words that have to do with with um, time, yom is is from lashon of, of yam. Of it's a, it's an ocean. An ocean is all of, is teeming with life. Shvua. When when the soul comes into the world, it gets a shvua like Tanya. The beginning of Tanya, that the brisa that the beginning of Tanya starts with. Mashbino sotiyat tzadik. We we you are you are sworn. You swear, your neshama is held up and says, you swear to me before you go into it, you're going to be a tzaddik. Chodesh, chodesh, new, vitality. Shah, a moment. Uh, a shah is desire to turn over something. Ulamichas kayin lo shah, says, Hashem didn't turn, he didn't want the, the pays attention to that. Zman is the Hashem zimun, of an invitation. Every moment, every zman is an invitation to take part in it. Shana is, l'shanot, to change, to grow. Everything to do with man is about growing. So Rabbi Kiva saw everybody sleeping. So sleeping, you're dead. You're not accomplishing anything. You're losing out on life. I'm giving you tired here and you're losing out on it. So what, what do you want to do? He showed them how every second of Sarah's life bore fruit to it. You can accomplish something at every single moment, every place, every zman, every situation. There is something to be accomplished. We see that we have a Sari Menu who is... Um, practically and physiologically, our our ancestor that we we have her DNA, but we have her spiritual DNA. And I think that when you look at the avos, that the Tana de Belio says, "Kol adam chayav lomar avos." Every person has to say, "When are my mice? I'm going to reach the mice avos." Everybody, all the mafarshim, the Muslim Swarm have a hard time with this. Well, I'm going to be Avram Yisroel Yaakov. 
In what way could my deeds reach us, Avram Yitzhak Yaakov? In the way of realizing that Avram Yitzhak Yaakov, we know that, you know, we talked about this here a lot, that there was a lot of ashkach in their lives. Very much how they were going to go, but, and there were certain things that they understood with the two wives, and how can they do that, and, and, and shechting the son. They understood that my son, they were imbued with that understanding that every single thing they were doing, that Avram went back to take the riches. Why did he take the riches? Because he knew that my son, that one day we're going to, excuse me, leave Mitzrayim, and he wanted to make sure that we're also going to leave with riches. We shouldn't leave empty hands. So he knew if he did it, then that's what's going to happen to us. So there was a responsibility that they lived with of Every single thing I do is going to be part of the spiritual DNA of my, of my children, of this unbelievable people called Klai Yisrael. And I need, I live with that sense. And that, that gives me a chizik to make sure that I fill up every second. Every second of life, Sari Menu lived with, and therefore it says that, that her, her, great, her granddaughter, but it's funny, it doesn't say her, her descendant. It says Bas Bito, her granddaughter. And... Um, I saw another parish. Should have written. I, I was seeing a lot of these last. Oh, um, Rav Harlap. I was looking something up, and this um, it took me to a site that there was a this whole Torah on the Avos, and it quoted. Um, I think it was Rav Harlap. Where he talks about that we're mamish the children of, of the Avos. That we shouldn't think of us as descendants. We should think ourselves mamish like the Avos and every generation we are reliving the Avos' lives. He has a, a beautiful way of, of, of taking it out. I, I didn't have time to write it and I didn't have a printer available. Um, so this, this is how it goes. The sleep, we, have to, we want to make sure we're up. How do you make sure you're up? How do you make sure you live with vitality? One of the ways to invigorate ourselves or to embolden ourselves or to strengthen ourselves is to realize that again by the women specifically aim Lashon of Amuna, Lashon of Vyamin Esadasa he raised Adasa to raise somebody is to raise them with faith not just a faith that they should have faith it's a faith in themselves and the only way that other people have faith in themselves specifically once children obviously more th- more so than when you meet somebody else but we have to understand that Da Mala Malamcha know what is above us from you that everything that happens in the world is really to do with you. You are affecting certainly the people that you come in contact with, but the entire the entire world and all the cosmos. When you when you feel that weight of that responsibility, again, more specifically by your children, the way you get them to believe in themselves, which is paramount, and they they say about Thomas Edison, right? That his mother, he was um, he was he was kicked out of school, and they sent him home with a letter, and he couldn't read. Or they, or they sealed the letter. There's a lot of different ways that they say this. And it says that um, your, son is, your son is mentally, uh, he's addled. Uh, back in the day. I'm sure you've all been right, ADD. That's what I was thinking when I read it. So I looked it up. It means like, you know, he doesn't get anything. His brain is just not working properly. They said your son's mentally ill. And, and he won't be allowed in school anymore. We can't teach him. So he brought home the note. And his mother said, what are you doing home early? He said, my teacher gave me this note. She read the note. And um, she said, he said, what does it say? He says, it says your son is a genius and he's too smart for the school and, um, and you have to homeschool him. So I'm going to homeschool you from now on. She homeschooled him. Thomas Edison became one of the most brilliant people of, of the, since the Industrial Revolution. And he, um, I don't know, was that after that? That was after that. History? Well, Thomas was the Industrial Revolution was like mid-1700s. He was the late 1800s. Okay, so he was after. Oh, so, fine. Definitely one of the most brilliant people involved in that time. So he, um, they say that afterwards when his mother died, he found the, the paper. She had kept it. And he read it. Now he could read. And he realized what it said. And he wrote that, um, he, he wrote the following about himself. Thomas um, Alva Edison, that was the middle name, was an adult child that by a hero mother became the genius of the century. In other words, that's who I really was, but my mother believed in me. And, she, and, and her belief in me allowed me to believe in myself. But the emphasis is that kids are very, very perceptive. And people pick up on things as well. If you don't really believe in yourself and believe in your own co-host, you will never be able to give that over to anybody else. Not to your kids, not to other people. Again, they eventually find out for a little bit you can fool people. 
people eventually find out. I was talking to Hedy about this today because I actually remember knowing you. Um, a pre-1A teacher being really mean to me. Like, I still remember it now. And um, that was how long ago? It was pre-1A. They really, they're, we're not, like, kids aren't stupid. They know when you're talking about them. Oh, she was talking about you. It was either, yeah. We were doing a dance and she's like, and one kid ruins it all. And that was that one kid. And ever since that day, I don't like so dancing. Sad. It's unbelievable. Weird. Yeah, it really affects yeah. people. I don't want to blame it on that person, mm-hmm. but I don't want to dance. But could be. You could have been like like the next. Could the next ballerina. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know what I could have said. I, I have no clue who to but reference there. The point there. is that I remember it specifically. It's unbelievable. Got to be careful. Pre one A. Pre one A. Married woman now. Six year old. Five. Five? Yeah. Wow. That was five. That was 20 years ago. Wow. Um, she's going to listen to this and she can tell you to apologize. Well, remember that. You're, she probably doesn't remember saying that. <laughs> no, definitely. That's what I'm saying. 20, 20 years. Or she's watching and she's thinking, I remember she was such a bad dancer. <laughs> it is real. I'm I, I, I just saved that girl a lot of problems. <laughs> But I was watching, I was watching, uh, um, uh, Ohel put out a video, a guy who I know um, does these Jewish videos, and they just put out a video, so I got an email about it, so I, it was on, on what's going on with suicide now and mental disease. So the mother, um, Mrs. Roth, Jonathan Roth's mother, he, he took his life, and they very, very bravely made this video for Ohel, and they were interviewing them, and she's talking, and she says, um... Like, they realized that he had a problem. He, he had an attempt. And for five months, she said that she stayed up every single night to, to check on him and check on him and check on him. And he was, it sounds like he was 19, 20 years old. And, and then for one night, she went into his room to check and whatever. And he said, Ma, I love you. I have a good night. And that was the last thing he said to her. And he said, I slept for the first time that night. And she said, he took his life that night. Mm-hmm. And, and she said... I always thought that that motherly thing where I would do anything to keep my child alive, I always thought that that would kick in and I'd be able to save him. She said, you know, she was talking about mental illness, that, that you know, we don't have those answers and we need to learn how to reach out for help and so on. But, but it struck me that she, the word that she used was that motherly thing where I would do anything to keep my child alive, anything in the world to keep my child alive. I think that needs to kick in the fatherly thing, the motherly thing, and all of us where we... I think it's a lesson of, of Chaye Sarah, of the life of Sarah, where, where her child was able to, her great-grandchild was able to, to become who she could become, to be Esther Malka. We, want, we all want, we want greatness for our kids. And when we realize that our kids is not just mean who we birth and bring to this world, but it's whoever we come into contact with, they're in some way our child. And if... If anything, we may have more responsibility to them because just like they have more responsibility if you become a teacher to somebody, so they have to save you before they save their own parents if their parents didn't teach them as well Torah because you you brought them to the, they brought them to, to this world, you bring them to Chayel Haba. So then there's a, a reciprocating um, responsibility back that we have to our Talmidim. And everybody we come in contact with, Lil Modalamid, everybody says it in Dominic. What's Lil Modalamid? What, I, I, I don't have, I'm not a Malamid, I'm a Limod. I learn. I don't, I don't teach other people. Everything we do on a very simple level is affecting other people. They're learning from it, they're watching it. There's so many times that I remember there was a group of guys in Yeshiva that were like, their father was a Rebbe, they're Hush of guys, and we were at Dominic. And like they didn't say Tachner or something. And I heard one of them say to the other, like, yeah, you don't really ever have to say Tachner. Till, to, till today, every time there's Tachner, I'm thinking, I wonder if there's a way out of it. Like those guys didn't. It, it, you, you see somebody and, and you start internalizing, like every single thing affects us. And we're, it's, it's a massive responsibility. It's a massive responsibility. So what does it say? So, in, so this is what I saw today. So in Aisha's Chayel, Again, we will skip the tune. If I was to do a tune, it would be the Regesh tune for Shmuel that he does. 
because I find that to be the nicest one. Zama Masada Vatikachei Mipricha Penata Karan. Zama Masada, she, the, this Eishas Chayel, she plans, Lizome means to plant, she sees it out, she takes the initiative, Sada, that she sees a good field, Vatikachei, when she goes to buy, Mipricha Penata Karem, from the um, fruits of her handiwork, Nata Karem, a, the vineyard is planted. Chagra Ba'ozmas Neha, with strength, Ba'oz, with strength, Chagra Ba'ozmas she girds her loins, she strengthens herself, she, you know, straps up, so to speak, getting ready for it. And she strengthens, she gives strength to her hands, to her arms. Tama Kito Sachra, she tastes that it's good. Sachra, her, 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 um, her dealings. So this is where I thought that Sachra can mean children. Because what's a woman's real schayra? What's her her dealings are aren't a good word. If the person has schayra, they have stock. They're not not stock like the paper stock. You know, you sell stuff. It's my schayra. So what 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 are you carrying? What type of diamonds are you carrying? That they would call it. what schayra is that? That's a woman's schayra, and I wasn't sure about it. And I'll show you in a second where I saw it. So she doesn't put out her candle at night. In other words, she doesn't sleep. What keeps a woman going? To not sleep, to in other words, of course she falls asleep, but to to never sleep on the job, to 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 be vital and and forward movement and excited about life and positive and growing at all times. Tamaki Sacha, If she sees that she can affect, she sees her schayr, she sees her children, she sees what she's affecting, she sees the peros there. That's when lo yichba and lo really means it's it, it should be lo kava She doesn't put it out. Lo means she will not put it out. It means not only her, it means her children. That light that she's that she is lit will not go out. That when a person learns how to number one again believe in themselves, because you don't you don't struggle, you don't try, and you don't that whole thing we talked about last week is inapplicable to someone who just says forget it, I give up. Like I, I just I don't care anymore, and we all have that moment of forget it. Like you were saying before, like the breakup, and just like I just I don't want to deal with it. I'll just suffer in silence, pretend it's all good, and we are very very good at that of the whole pretending game of making believe that everything's fine, and and inside we're dying, but like just quiet down. Just it's comfortable. I don't want to have to struggle because that may be more painful, and the growth process. So we just quiet it down. But if we do that, or rather if we don't do that, if we can strengthen ourselves and, and, and grow, I mean, to, to raise people, children and people around us with belief in themselves, that they themselves also carry that same power and that same light, that responsibility should embolden a person. Again, there are people who look at it and say, I don't want that responsibility, and I can't handle that responsibility. There'll always be another side to look at it. There'll always be that Debbie Downer that just says, it's just not worth it. So the safer, I asked them, like, can I take a picture of this? Is that is that cool? It's like, yeah. So one of the guy goes, you, you want him to be in the picture? I'm like, no, I just want the safer. It's okay, I appreciate it. I felt weird. I, I, I had a... I had a thought that really I should go back and buy the safer because it's not it's not rice, and then I had another thought of I don't want to spend the money. So look look what he writes. So it's called the Bnei Shlomo. His name isn't Shlomo. His name was something Rav Hirsch. He learns in the in the Mir in Eretz Yisrael. Pasuk Tes Zayin, which was Zama Masada Vatikachayu. She sees this field and she goes and buys it. She plans it out. Okay, in, in a classical sense, it wasn't the way of the woman to, to be out to, to, to working in the field and to go out and, and, and buy field of commerce. And this is not a, a modern day that women should be working or not. This is in the classical sense of, of, of femininity. That's not, that wasn't the way. The Pusik's is talking about children. In other words, that the, the children are, are doma to, to the, specifically to the grapes. And, and it compares children to a field. Because just like 
a field which will always be there and always give over fruit. So when you struggle and work the field, when you struggle and work with the children, we'll have pairs and they're going to be able to struggle and work with the children. They last forever. That's that's eternal. When you have children, or again, when you affect people, that effect goes eternally. Nothing else is like that in this world. Shekolim and if sudden they become used up and lost. Ve'enim ella zmanis they're only around for a certain amount of time. Time. He says ve'ayin la'el. I you know what I skipped this when I first looked at it, but now amazing. Ve'ayin la'el parakhavzayin. He says look what I wrote uh, above in kavzayin. Masha kasafti sham bedom lazesh shavah tamidim lamachir asada. That tamidim are also considered like this. Baruch shekivanti. I didn't see that before. Luchena Eishas Chayil Zamama Veratzal Lakachas Adlon Atol Karem. So listen to this. This is why it's more applicable to women. The Eishas Chayil, she's the one who plans out. She wants to go buy a field and to plant things. In other words, she has an inner desire to have children. Why? The Gam Pasuk Omer Zamama. She planned. In other words, she took the initiative. She wanted to do this. So women are not commanded to have children. Men are commanded. Why? Because that's a natural drive in women. It's not something that Hashem has to command them to do. They have this desire to to live, to to give that over to to someone else. He wrote some She by herself wants to get children. It's the same with marriage. Why women aren't commanded to get married? Men. I feel like it's different though. I'm just curious if it's the same reason that women have a drive, women have a natural drive to be married, and men don't. Why, why women have a drive to get married? No, women are, so women men, are, men, it's a mitzvah for men to get married, and women don't have that mitzvah, right? It's a mitzvah for a man to get married? Unless I'm wrong. It's a mitzvah for a man to have children. We certainly hope that that's through marriage. Um, marriage itself is not a commandment? I, I'm, it could be, I'm, I'm drawing a blank right now. Um, it a hundred percent could be. I'm just trying to think back, but I I, I don't well, remember. You told right Adam now. you're going to leave your parents. That was all. Right. right. That was all for Adam. Ish ima ba'aviv. Um. It's not such a Right. Yeah, it could be, but that that wasn't a, that's not a commandment there. Oh, it's just uh, this is what the world this is what happens. happens. Yeah. Uh, so we're not uh, let's let's finish this up. Um, uh, hold on. So now we understand what it means. She strengthens. With, uh, she girds her loins with strength. To 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 not not only to give birth to but to raise children. You need tremendous strength. The loins that area is where even your stance that gives you your strength in in battle. When you say that's when you when you're doing the belt. That's when you're doing your belt. That's when you say that bracha. We don't do it like that nowadays, but that's where that bracha is supposed to be said. It's marames on leida, obviously, for obvious reasons. What you just said for obvious reasons. It's also hinting to to the birth process, to loins, it's the the hips. And she, she gets strength to her arms on all these things that she does for her children. The next Pasuk. She saw that she tasted that it was good, her schorah, then she's not going to be put out the light. After she had children, she tastes how sweet they are. He wrote to Osa Ma'od, she desires them very much. She'd give up her life for them, even more for them. Actually, until that she she's emboldened to not put out her her candle. Okay, then he he goes on, but that's and this is in the Mitzudas David. Mitzudas David says, "Tama atzma." She gives herself eitzah. Such an interesting lashon that he says. That. I'm just thinking about it now. She she thinks to herself, she the woman's having a hard time. But she says, you know what? My schor is good. My children are coming out. She finds a profit. In other words, I'm affecting. I'm, something is coming out here. This is working. Then she doesn't put out her candle. And she, she stays busy all night. She'll keep working at it. Even the darkness of the night, things are, are tough. Things are difficult. She wants to fall asleep. 
But this is this is this is the the lesson of Sari Menu. This is this is the gift of Sari Menu to all her children, and what Rabbi Kiva was trying to wake up his crowd with and saying, "Hey guys, there's work to be done here. You cannot you cannot slack now." Um, and I wanted to share with you a, a letter. It's 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 too long, I think, for now. Um, uh, we'll find some time to do it. It's a, a beautiful, powerful letter. If you want to look it up, it's called. I, I you know what I, I forgot already. It's called "Rocking to Rocking You to Sleep in the Sunlight," I believe. Um, it's a letter from a mother to her daughter. You've you've heard this? I've read it. No, I'm sorry. What? I thought you. <laughs> she she's she's writing the letter in the last few hours that she's holding her baby. Um, um, before Herman, the local grocer, was to take the baby away before the Nazis did the last roundup in that town to kill all the last children. So she's writing the letter how it's now 3 a.m. and I'm holding you and, and, and I want you to remember these things and I'm smelling you and all these things. And, and the letter, even though she wasn't allowed to do it, the, the person writes this. This was put on the Jewish press and, and written up in a book called... Um, uh, I don't remember the name of the book. It was a book, a compilation of of women writers wrote in different things. It's a red red book. There were two volumes, more something. I'll bring it in next week if you remind me. Um, and basically, the, like at fifty something years old, this this girl whose name Merila, because the mother wrote Merila, who didn't even know the mother's name. I'll just read you the end of it, the last the last last part, and then one day, hopefully, I'll I'll. Uh, I'll be able to read you the whole thing. So she's writing to her, and, and she, she taped it into her into her things. God, it's 2 a.m. already. Only two more hours of my love, my baby, my life, my Merla. I'm going to hold you now, Merla, for two hours. Your father and I are going to wake you, feed you, and tell you over and over how much we love you. You're barely two years old, but maybe if God is good, maybe you'll remember it, and maybe you'll keep this letter until you're old enough to read it. There will be bad times for you, Merla, I know, but just think about me holding you, rocking you to sleep in the sunlight. Keep that sunlight in your heart always. I love you. Your father loves you. May God help us all, Mama. So that's, that's the end of the letter. You can imagine how proud it's, it's an unbelievable letter. Dear readers, this is Merla writing to the people that she's now shared the letter with, all of us. Miracles do happen. My mother's letter stayed with me, sewn into my undershirt, and now I'm getting old myself and I've decided to share it with you. After almost 50 years of keeping it private, why did I translate it from Yiddish and decide to share it with you now? A few reasons. Firstly, one doesn't hear much about the Holocaust anymore very much these days. So this was, okay, I guess, 1990. I don't know around there. There are even those who claim it was made up. Not true. A brilliant Jewish ploy for sympathy. My mother asked me to remind you that it wasn't just a war, it was a monstrosity. Secondly, my mother's faith in God, even at the, this is what I wanted you to hear, even at the dreadful hour, never ceases to amaze me. Even though she was almost certain that she would soon die, as indeed she did, she believes firmly in God, to which she can turn both before and after her earthly life ends. This strengthens my faith and perhaps it will strengthen yours. What the mother gave her in a letter. She never even... Maybe she, there was some sense that she remembered from her mother, but she was two years old when she was gone. And lastly, I know I'm, f- I'm from a different generation. This is just Kadai for everyone to hear. Nowadays, I'm told all mothers work. But sometimes I to look out my window and see little children just two years old. And that's how old I was when my mother was forced to give me up to strangers. And I look out my window and see these two-year-olds cry because they want to stay with mother with their mothers. But their mothers are putting them on the bus because they want to be free of them. And something doesn't seem right. You go to, like, the park here, and you see all the shiksas watching these children. Again, I know people need to work. And, uh, I don't think people want to get rid of their children. I don't think that's what most people want there's, to do. There's a... My, my wife ran a, an agency. It's a miracle she still could even look at another Jew, let alone loves Jews the way she does. Mm-hmm. She ran, a, she ran a, 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 a maid agency, and she sold chaitels, and now she deals with busing. Okay, oh, so you're, you're dealing with, like, really... The worst of the worst. Oh, my... You, catching the w- people in their worst <laughs> moments. And, I mean, there were people that, that told her, because my wife speaks Spanish, said, tell them not to drink the water. They can have sink water. Wealthy people, like, I mean, oh my okay, 
hopefully I'm, we misunderstood that story somewhere, but she saw crazy things. And um, there were mothers, like one kid that, like, you got to get me somebody to watch them. I need to get out. I need to. Something doesn't seem right, as she writes. Your mothers, you mothers who are lucky enough to have babies, raise them too. Don't throw them out before they're ready. Don't leave them before they're ready. Go now, rock them in the sunlight for my mother. She calls herself Miriam Basliba. And she writes at the end, in my mother's letter, she didn't leave her name. It's always choking up. But I always think of her as Liba, love. I'm lucky. Many of the children rescued with me don't even know their own names. She didn't know her mother's name, but she calls herself Miriam Basliba. You have to read this letter. It's, it's, I have a very big title to read it to you now, but I'm not. I'm going to hold on to it. Um, I could send it to you. Actually, I'll, I'll just send it to you. Um, um, yeah. Okay. We should we should be zocha to feel, and I will make up my mind soon. I'm going to speak to my rabbi about what he thinks we should do. But um, as long as the Ben Shem doesn't tell me to do something else next week, um, we should be zocha to 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 live to live pshuto to live real life to have that strength to do it. We should all be. Uh, I already am zocha, but you should all be zocha to have actual, wonderful mater- um, children, biological children, was the word I was looking for, and, uh, and, and live with that, that feeling of, I can't slack off. That, it, it sounds like a lot, and like, oh my gosh, that's a life, other mama yulad. But it's in that work, and it's in that constant dedication that you will find your true simcha in life. That's the way it goes. When you're running away from it, you just you, you'll do exactly that. You run away from life, and your whole life will just be one big schluff. You wake up at the end, and you just say, "Like I slept my whole life away. I didn't sleep. Okay, I went to this movie. I went to this thing, and we we had so much fun. And at some point, you'll say, "I played mahjong," and then uh, um, and then it's over. It's it's mamish over. I think once you once your first time slapping that tile down, saying mahjong, you could pretty much say. Oh God, <laughs> I remember 40 years ago the rabbi saying it, and here I am. So don't wait for there. Start, start now. You all started already. Let's start now and, and feel, feel that pressure. Feel that, not pressure. Feel that responsibility, that, that positive responsibility of what we need to accomplish in life and, and not waste a, a single moment. We should be zochah that at the end of our lives that we have written on, in, the, in, in our svarim and shemayim that we lived 120 years mamish. That was that was our lives. And we zochah for that, if all Kali Yisrael was able to do such a thing, or even the some of us that try, should help bring uh, the ultimate one who is truly alive, Mashiach Sakenim, here in Maine. Amen. You've just experienced another Torah class, brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.